the fire. We're seeing the increase of gender identity confusion and transition more in the United States than in any other nation because uh, we've unleashed Pandora's box. So there is a reason and an intentional design behind these ideologies, and they're seeking to get a hold of our children. There truly is, and it's very well designed and very well funded. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. What? You're back again? I'm back again. I thought I was rid of you. You cannot do that. (laughs) Drop me off at the airport. I fly right home. <laughs> Actually, it's really good to have you back again. I mean, this it's is two in a row now. You. Did you miss me? Uh, maybe just a okay. little bit. Well, I miss being in the studio with you. Well, you know what? Seriously, what? you're impossible not to miss. Is that is that a double negative? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I miss you. Okay, well, I, mean, I mean, I feel like my right arm is not here whenever uh, you're when I you're gone. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It really is true. So to our listeners, welcome to Through the Fire, where we are tackling the tough issues and the chaos of the culture today with some... Chaos and culture today, yes, absolutely. (laughs) With some psychological and theological explanations and applications that we hope will bless you all. And I'm just, again, really glad to have my sweetheart here Mm. in the studio with me to talk about... You know, our topic today. Well, and you know, the funny thing about it, too, is, again, like I said, some of the people that you've had on the last several weeks and stuff like that, these are thought leaders in our country. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're in both of us in both our programs, the Liberty Alert and this, we're starting to mm-hmm. actually interview some of the people that really are on the front lines of some of these issues. And we're mm-hmm. happy to bring that to our listeners. Right. And more than just thought leaders, most of them are, that's what they do for a living, right? Yeah, now. right. So, so, I mean, thought, yeah. what, what do you call it? Cultural. Yeah, because uh, you have influencers today. And I don't yeah, I don't, I don't like like that word because they're more significant than <laughs> yes, that. Yes, actually. they're actually yeah. on the front lines. Yeah. yeah so I, anyway, I've, it's been really great. You know, the, the the guests we have certainly have been amazing, and I'm so appreciative of all mm-hmm. of them. And by the way, they all want to come back. Mm-hmm. So maybe in you know future episodes, I'll be and, here. Yeah, you can you can get in on some of that discussion. Um, but today, I really I've been wanting, like I said this morning over coffee. I'm glad you're here because the, the topic I want to talk about today is kind mm-hmm. of a sensitive one, and I, you know, you have to kind of have people that are able to talk about this in a particular way. Right. I want to talk about radical gender theory. Okay, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, well, I, mean, I still it's want Im- to. Yeah, it's in being imposed on us all over the place. Yeah, right? and I want to talk about it specifically uh, on okay. its impact on womanhood. And its effect on our children at all ages and stages. And and in our conversation, I want to recognize the talking points made by the radical gender theory activists and offer some psychological and theological explanations and responses. And you are the primary person I feel comfortable with uh, having this conversation. Well, I feel very blessed by that. And I'm willing to tackle this (laughs) tough issue. And it's tough on men, too, by the way. And we we won't get to a lot of that today, but we'll get get the conversation started. So I do think it's time that we talk about this, uh, it's a rather confusing and sensitive topic. And I do pray that our listeners will will hear us with an open heart. There's no hate here whatsoever. Um, We want our listeners to know that this is a topic that you may want to shield your youngsters from. So if they're within hearing range, you may want to move to another room. Yeah, that's right. That's a good, I'm glad you kind of said that, right? Okay. Okay. So, and and again, just to reiterate what um, 
Dr. Greg said here, there's um, no hatred here, not none at all. Though I will say that this topic can evoke uncomfortable emotions. Well, yeah. I know it has for many, including myself, because we are talking, after all, about our children and the future of our families and our country. Okay. So let me define what radical gender theory is. All right. Go for it. Okay. Radical gender theory, first of all, is one of those theories that is not at all based on fact. Okay? It's okay. not based on fact. And it is being pushed by university uh, academics in America. Okay. It states that actual physical gender is a social construct, not a physical expression of our genetic makeup, okay? Wow. So can a portion of this statement be true? And I'm going to tell you yes to a degree in that gender is not solely an issue of physical genetic expression in the sense that nurturing and punishing may alter the direction in which it is expressed. Again, okay. I'm talking about expression here, okay? Right. So socio-emotional factors can alter the way genes are expressed in order to alter emotional expression. This means that social issues and roles can point people into different gender expression types. But to deny that there is a very strong physical input from our inherited genetic makeup requires intentional and vigorous dismissal. And the facts demonstrate that physical and emotional expression strongly follows our genetic inheritance. Well, you know, that reminds me of a sad story you told on one of our previous podcasts about the twin brothers and the psychologist who experimented on them uh, with sexual reassignment. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, that one's a tough one. That's uh, the one with Dr. John Money and the okay. Reamer twins. Right, that's the one. Yeah. And the twins uh, sought assistance with how to cope with one of their twins' botched circumcision, and the psychologist, Dr. Money, recommended sexual reassignment <laughs> surgery yeah. and suggested they raise the boy as a girl. Mm-hmm. And Reamer was the first documented case of sex reassignment of a child born developmentally normal. And the twins unknowingly provided data that, according to the Intersex Society of North America, was used to reinforce money's theories on gender fluidity and provided justification for thousands of sex reassignment surgeries for children with abnormal genitals. Yeah, and, and Dr. Money did horrific things to these twins. Yeah. Not only what you know was the gender reassigned twin Bruce physically altered and given hormones to become Brenda, but he was made to simulate sexual intercourse with his own brother in front of other people who photographed the activity. Dr. Money called that therapy sexual rehearsal play and said it was important to his transition. And remember what I said earlier about punishment and reward? If the twins were declining to participate, they were yelled at and emotionally threatened until they behaved and complied and expressed themselves as they were instructed. You know, Brenda who was formerly Bruce, was not even informed that she was born biologically male until adolescence when she decided to live as a biologically given uh, male gender, taking the name of David. It's, right. it's amazing how all this happened. And then as an adult, you know, David reported that he struggled with his sexual identity as a child and felt confused and out of place. And, you know, these boys and young men were held in a state of suspended trauma all of their lives. Yeah, think about what you just said, suspended trauma. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, their parents were Mennonites, so they didn't really live, right, in, in this community. And they were very sheltered. And it's it's they were given the instructions and they followed the they instructions. They told, That's yeah. right. And David's twin brother 
who was the one who was going through this therapy with him, wow. later developed schizophrenia as a, as a result, possibly, of this trauma. And he died of an overdose at an early age of 36. And then two years later, David committed suicide. You know, yet their case informed others that sexual reassignment was the best decision for children with genital deformities. And it's one thing we've said over and over again on this program, science needs moral limits. Yeah. Uh, science just tells you that something can be done. Whether it should be done or not is a whole nother discussion. And and this Dr. Money tried to push the idea that babies then are gender neutral and that their gender can successfully be reassigned through surgery and social conditioning. And that is the philosophy and politically correct talk that is now taking place today. And so, again, share, share a bit more of how all of this started then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It started back with the work of Dr. Alfred Kenzie. He was a biologist and a sociologist, sexologist. He was and, and is still a controversial figure for good reason. Mm-hmm. Kinsey's aim, by the way, was to rid society of Judeo-Christian values. Right. And the sole purpose of his studies was to legitimize any and every kind of sexual activity from adultery and homosexuality to pedophilia and bestiality. I mean, people don't know this, and I, it's very important that we <laughs> that I, we talk about this. Um, Kenzie was, from his very early youth, a sadomasochistic homosexual. And you know, I got to jump in and just who say, later married and became a father, and you know, a f- several children. Oh, by the way. okay. Well, but you know, for me, that what's crazy is all the things that have happened since the '60s in terms of the brokenness and the destructiveness and the sexual transmitted diseases and all these different things. As these ways of thinking kind of made their way into our culture from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at all the the, the havoc that's been right. wreaked on us, and somehow there there's like, well, that's not us. That didn't right. come from us, and yet it does. Absolutely, okay. it does. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so Kenzie proposed, you know, that children are sexual from birth, and claimed that children could benefit from having sexual intercourse with adults. Can you imagine? <sighs> Even more horrifically, he recorded orgasms in children as young as nine months. And some of the questions that surround Kenzie was, was he a pedophile? Mm -hmm. Was he a voyeur? You know, how deviant was he? What was it? Because in his research, he and his wife, Mac, they regularly engaged in sexual activity with their subjects. I mean, that's not even ethical today. Jeez. I mean, he advocated for his sex education to be in public schools. I mean, right away he did that. And that's where this started. This is why we have children learning about sex in schools rather than at home from their parents. So, folks, if you're hearing stuff about grooming your children, uh, it's worse than you think. And you cannot let that happen to your kids. Yeah, Kinsey wanted to prove that every sexual desire is natural, um, that individuals are pansexual with no direct aim towards heterosexuality, and and that society labels things like adultery, homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality as unnatural. Um, well, the Bible says something to that, but mm-hmm. well, and so the organization that that you and I support, Concerned Women for America, has declared that Kinsey based sex education puts children at risk, yes. period. Yes. Uh, they've termed Kenzie's research on sexology as fraudulent, inaccurate, and they claim it was biased towards his personal agenda and not towards some factually uh, effort exploring human sexology. Mm-hmm. And this sex education is the gateway to introducing our children to this supposedly new, enlightened, mm-hmm. politically correct jargon, conversations, and ideas of the extreme left secular activists. And folks, its aim is to destroy traditional families, 
values, and those things have been good for people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And not only is this propaganda in the schools, you know, from elementary to university, it has infected mental health and medical health care. Licensed professionals are also required to tow the party lines or be canceled or have their licenses revoked. I mean, presently, we have affirmative care, which is no care at all. This is something new. I mean, when a caregiver comes to the diagnosis portion, they really must listen to what the client or patient says. And if it has to do with gender identity, we need to affirm their self-diagnosis. Can wow. you imagine that is no care at all? So if I if I was to go to another doctor and say this is what's wrong with me, <laughs> and he said, uh, um, "No, I actually know something else is wrong," with me, he would you can't say he that. wouldn't be able to say it. No, right in this case, mm-hmm. um, or not even let's explore that. Right, right there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and this is the thing too, though. Do children? You know, let's talk about the fact that we're talking about children now. That's the do issue. children always know? And the answer to that is, of course not. Their brains are still in, in being formed. Uh, they're, they're, they haven't gone through puberty sometimes yet. Um, I mean, they're exploring, pretending. Can't they talk through things, experience life a bit more before being diagnosed as transgender and then having all these life-altering decisions be made on them? Exactly. They should be able to do that. They should be able to explore and to talk about these things. But think about how hip and cool mom and dad will appear to be in having an open mind and being accepted of their trans daughter or their trans son. Yeah, well, so uh, I guess the question is, do, do parents have the right to transition their children? <laughs> That's a good question. Okay. I mean, most people don't even ask that. But, you know, according to the British Columbia Children's Hospital, ca- the Canadian law allows four children to be administered puberty blockers, including Lupron, which, by the way, is used to chemically castrate sex offenders. Wow. Yeah. The FDA reports hundreds of cases of insomnia, depression, joint pain, blurred vision, osteoporosis, and cancer, with many of the reports affecting children under 13 years of age. Man, that blows me away. I know. And when we hear that puberty blockers merely halt growth of sex-identifying features and that the type of therapy is completely reversible, that's a lie. It is. It's completely untrue. I mean, medically, we know that girls transitioning to boys have a 67% risk of infection. We don't even talk about that. And we do not hear about that. This is a very high risk factor. And psychologically, we know that the rate of suicide is highest seven to 10 years post-surgery. So why would any parent do this to their child? Let them grow. Give them a chance to grow and have some life and experience behind them. And then let them decide... And make this decision for themselves as an adult. Yeah, and you know we're we're still learning about the effects of long term, you know, and by that I mean ten years plus of hormone use. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see an increase in cancer, uh, but this is the first generation to have to face these kinds of concerns on a mass scale. And by the way, speaking of mass scale, we're seeing the increase of gender identity confusion and transition more in the United States than in any other nation. Why? Because uh, we've unleashed Pandora's box. Yeah. Um, so there is a reason and an intentional design behind these ideologies, and they're seeking to get a hold of our children. There truly is, and it's very well designed and very well funded. So I I just think, you know, some people get confused by the terms sex and gender. Uh, This was not an issue before. Right. I mean, so the term sex refers to biology, which is unchanging, and it's based on chromosomes. And this marks an individual as male or female at birth. Okay, so sex is biological. Right. Right? The term gender refers to social interaction and expression, 
and it is subjective and based on feeling. It is vague and it is not measurable. And we've always throughout life had masculine females and effeminate males. Right. That doesn't mean that they are in the wrong body and that we need to go carving them up. Yeah. Well, and, and then, you know, scripturally, the Bible talks about the facts that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, by a God mm-hmm. who loves us even as he differentiates us mm-hmm. as male and female. Now, listen, the one thing that I'm sure isn't talked about much today, sin is involved in all this stuff too. So all of us struggle mm-hmm. with how to be the best men and women, boys and girls that God created us right. and redeemed us to be. But the worst way to go about that is to sow confusion and disdain for God's beautiful creation of humanity as male and female, as equal and yet distinct. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, by the way, um, the LCRL, the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, the place where I work in D.C., we signed a document along with other faiths, people of other faiths, even people of no particular faith, mm-hmm. that when we're engaged in discussion about things like this in policy, we will not use the language of heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual. We're not going to use that language. Mm-hmm. We're going to use male and female, mm-hmm. healthy male to male, healthy male to female, healthy female to female relationships. And then we're going to talk about limiting government's involvement in that discussion. So we're trying to counter the movement that is blurring language concerning all this. You know, for example, birthing people <laughs> rather than mothers, right? Right. But it's important to realize that moving away from these biological norms of God's created order, it is not good for boys, girls, women, men, and family. And as a culture, we have moved away from God's definitions and his definitions of our roles as husband, wife, mother, father. We're basically saying that God made a mistake rather than we ourselves might have some defective sin in us and have imperfections. Right. And, and my question is this, if God isn't perfect, then what do we have, right? <laughs> well, but like you said, this is a movement to say that God, that God either it's screwed not God. up. Yeah, he's, he's either not God or he screwed up. Or I'm the one who determines all that. Right. And that's ultimately a sin against the first commandment. Thou should have no other gods before me. So mm-hmm. so you're right on there. I mean, when we begin to say that our unique biologies have no role to play, they're even saying that's socially constructed today. Mm-hmm. No, it's XX, XY, every, every part of your, every cell remember, in your body. This is not based on facts, right? This that, is, yeah. It's that's what I, I know. Yeah. This I is know what's that. crazy about it, but it's being funded and pushed through the schools. But how, you know, I, I struggle. How can you say biological sex? is also socially constructed. You can't. Anyway, um, so again, to say that your biology has no no role to play in what it means to be a healthy human being, you really are, like you said, casting aspersions, even slandering the God who created you. So the Bible is very clear that sin has corrupted the beauty of male-female unity um, in uh, diversity, but that's not to say that sowing the winds of confusion is the answer, that's for sure. Right, absolutely. And lastly, before okay. we run out of time, I really want to address again the unfortunate and unfair impacts that embracing this gender fluidity, pronoun-affirming, proclaiming ideology is having on our young biological girls and women athletes. Okay. You know, when we allow biologically born males to compete in women's sports against biologically born women— The God-designed female loses 98% of the time because the God-designed male has a physical advantage over her in terms of strength, muscle mass, speed, and height, regardless of testosterone suppressants. Yeah. 
you know? Well, I think our girls and our young women are being robbed, and they're being left out of the opportunities to secure scholarships and contracts. You know, I just read an article today that had to do with women's sports alone. And, you know, again, folks remember all the Title IX protections for our girls so that they could participate in sports equally uh-huh. as, as men, yeah. as men do. So they were participating in similar sports alongside of the men. Well, here's some data to chew on. Uh, Dan Hart of the Washington Stand reports that since 2003, 28 biological men have won titles in women's sports, and that number is uh, escalating today, 28. And Mm -hmm. so, again, where are the feminists in all this? That's right. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, they sit there and say it's we'd be hard-pressed to demonstrate that they actually have an advantage. Well, there it is right there. There it is right there. Yeah. And, and just to say this, too, folks, um, this also attacks masculinity, too. Uh, we're not talking about that today, but if a man aspires to do that, uh-huh. what kind of man are we talking about there, too? <laughs> so there are a lot of issues, and, and we want to aspire to masculinity for the sake of, of right. our Healthy relationships with, our, with women. So there are a lot of issues concerning this movement in our culture. Our children are at risk of being groomed toward this ideology. Our mm-hmm. girls are going to be the ones most affected by this when protections that all fair-minded people fought for to maintain the healthy and you know equality and healthy distinction between male and female, when that's all erased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, you know, when that's erased, it's going to be erased not only in culture, but also in law. Mm-hmm. So we've run out of time on this discussion today, but I'm afraid this discussion, unfortunately, is going to continue to grow concerning issues like education, parents' rights, and the increasing political punishments that many uh, secularists in D.C. are pushing already to punish traditional Judeo-Christian morality against all this in our culture. Um, But something to share as we go. If uh, you are interested in learning more about uh, radical gender theory, uh, we are listing some resources for you on this episode, uh, and it'll be linked at familyvisionmedia.org. So, Great discussion, honey, and, and great resources there for everybody. Yeah, it was a good discussion. Thanks for having it with me. Yeah, it was good to be back and again. And I wasn't really sure what we were going to talk about today. And I was like, <laughs> well, okay. brought it up a little you bit You brought earlier. it up over yeah. coffee. Yeah. And uh, and I think I, I just want to make sure people know, be encouraged by this. Truth always wins out on these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And and speak the truth yeah, in don't love. Be in love. Mm-hmm. And don't discouraged. be Yeah, don't be discouraged. Yeah. So remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world. There's one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers. (laughs) I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. Familyvisionmedia.org.